Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, the uh, update to the intro today is that we're missing the Dan Podesto. But fear not, we've got the Jason Van Dyke. Hello, hello. Good morning. It's good to have you uh, even sat in the chair that Dan usually sits in. So this is going to be easy on me. I was, I was kicked back and let you carry it. Oh, beautiful. Congratulations to Dan, who had a baby this week. Yeah, the Dan's out. Wow, that was like Kramer-esque, huh? That's creepy cry, too. Yeah. Oh, that brings back some memories, right? Dang. Can you stop that? <laughs> Immediately. Like sooner than you are? <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> um, congratulations, Dan. Yes, congrats to Dan. And uh, yeah, it's his first Saturday as a father of two. So we said, you know what? You're a good guy. You deserve it. Have have the morning off. Take one day off. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, though, we're going to need you back. Yeah, we can wheel in the uh, the crib and the carriers and all that in here, can't we? Sure. And then if it cries, you know, or if she cries. Thank you. It? Come on, Jason. What? Well, a little insensitive this morning, right? <laughs> Slips, he didn't man. mean that. He didn't mean that. You camping this if weekend? If she cries, we wouldn't know if it's a a button pushing, you know, making baby sounds or a baby. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should leave the babies at home. Yeah, I'm in the middle of camping. Got my my kiddos out at the campground. I came on down to to do the show with you. Nice, nice. Yeah. Probably less crowds out there nowadays, huh? Uh, summer's summer's gone. One might think. No, that's not the case. I think I think every campground in the county is sold out oh, wow. this weekend. Still. I don't know why. The weather's still nice. It's people that like camping. Man. They don't want to let go of summer either. That's right. Hey, so um, we are going to have a guest on the show today. We're going to be bringing in uh, Chris Richardson. And um, he's, of course, local real estate phenom. Um, I'm sure we'll learn some stuff, get some updates about projects that he's working on. He's got kind of some unique ties and in, inside uh, access to uh, what builders might be thinking around here. And there'll be no shortage of things to talk about with him. Um, I kind of set my notes up today. Look at you. You have notes yourself, don't you? I have a couple things over here. Whoa. I, I'm impressed. Thank you very much. I'm real curious to know what you want to talk about now. Oh, I just like to highlight some of the uh, the big talking points for the week. Um, some pretty interesting things happened this week. We started uh, some airstrikes in Syria. Eesh. So that's regardless of how you feel about that, if we should be there or not, it's uh, it's definitely something that moved the markets a little bit. Um, right. Anytime we have some uncertainty, which. Uh, with something like that will definitely create that uncertainty, create some volatility in the markets, and that's uh, and we've seen it too. I mean, uh, I I I had a a friend the other day say, "Oh my, these two hundred point fluctuations in the Dow," and um, I thought, 
I remember at the beginning of our recession where that was that was really normal to see huge fluctuations. Um, and I think we've gotten kind of spoiled here lately um, as far as everything kind of in a clean, neat little range. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been pushing around that 17,000 number for a little while. and um, But this week we sure did see... Um, and a, a nice little reminder that there is some volatility there when things are going on. Um, and yeah, so on Thursday, the Dow closed down 264 points. Um, kind of look into it. Interestingly enough, I, I mean, I in my notes here, I wrote up three main reasons. The durable, first... Durable goods, is that one of them? No. Okay. Well, Durable do- goods. That second <laughs> economic report. That second tier number. <laughs> okay. Hardly a market mover. Um, interested in your three then. What's your top three reasons? Well, first and foremost, I just want to say that um, the main reason the stock market tanked is because the iPhone 6 can be bent. Well, that's that's a market mover for sure. I mean, truly, let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, a lot of lot of investors here believing that Apple's like your retirement plan, um, and hey, their little bendy phone trick that they put out on this brand new phone um, made their stock slide four percent in a single day. So they weren't able to spin it in a way that that was uh, designed that way. Nobody really wants a flexible phone, right? If it's not going to bounce back to its original shape, sure. But uh, I, I kind of say that in jest, but that is a big deal. I mean, a lot of a lot of trepidation there over. And when you see a stock like Apple fall four percent in a day, mm-hmm. um, it tells me that people are going, uh, "Is this going to?" Is this going to be a problem? How many of these things did they make? Are they going to have to replace them? They're not cheap. Um, I really do think that that causes a little bit of concern in the market. And then, going, of course, going along with that, where they had they released also an update for that phone, the which same. caused a, oh. every time they make an update, everybody um, has some opinion on it. Most of the time, it's negative. It's buggy. It doesn't work right. I mean, I even found myself complaining yesterday about my Apple um, software update because I thought this was just my phone being weird. I forgot I did an update, really. Sure. My voicemails keep freezing. So I get a voicemail message that I'm unable to play until I restart my phone. And, I mean, this is a bug. They've already got some fixes out. Um but yeah, so that too, the new phone always brings their their new software, and then it's a fresh opportunity for people to be upset about. A lot know. of people hitting their server at the same time trying to get the update, and then that coupled with the the new phone coming out, that uh, that definitely caused some problems with the. And I just I I personally had some issues. I have a Did story, you? yeah, very similar to yours. But uh, but even even the people on TV, I, it was funny to see people looking down at their iPhones, and that was a topic of discussion even on MSN. And so it's uh, yeah, definitely definitely didn't go smoothly for Apple this week. What a bunch of spoiled little brats we are, by the way. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) And it moved the market. Honestly, this played into it a little bit. Um, A couple of other things. Um, As you mentioned, uh, military action. Mm -hmm. Um, 
obviously not a declaration of war, but you know, sometimes I get confused on what is or not. Um, we went in to blow some things up and accomplish some objectives and, uh, I guess I'll take the high road on my opinion about all the, you know, who should be blowing up who over what stuff. Um, thank God I'm not one of the people that have to make those tough decisions, but markets, stock markets like um, around the world, they don't love to see a fight in the sandbox. Um, this globe is extremely small now as soon as that stuff happens. Um, so that's going to be my reason number two is just um, that continuing uh, geopolitical stress. Um, they have, uh, it just causes everybody to say, Ooh, what, what's going to happen over here? Is this going to be a big deal? Is there going to be a big blowback from this? Uh, market usually, um, retreats just a little bit during those kind of things. Yeah. And there's, um, there's so much uncertainty with, like you said, the amount of, of time that we're going to be there. Um, who's going to join the coalition? What's the hum humanitarian efforts going to be for people that are going to be displaced? Yeah, how much cost involved? A lot of this type of uh, th this type of warfare, um, terrorists are are definitely into civilian areas, so that yeah. that always causes some concerns. So it's uh, there's at the end of the day, again, how however you view it, your stance on it, a lot of uncertainty for sure. On Thursday, it was also said by the um, Iraq's prime minister, I'll skip the name, <laughs> um, said that that the Iraqi government had found evidence of terrorist plots targeted at U.S. Um, and Paris, mm -hmm. and it was mainly targeted attacks at subway systems, and thought it an, uh, a big enough deal to say, "Hey, this, you know, these plans were found." That kind of thing obviously freaks people out too. I mean, you guys remember without any reminder at all here how devastating nine eleven was. Um, anyway, that. Hopefully everybody stays safe and everything's okay. These things that are going on are, are causing a little bit of shakeup in the market. Um, what's fascinating to me too, so now we'll kind of want to, I want to wash my hands of that, that bad, the bad news stuff and say that um, how did it affect us and why should we care? Um, it, for us specifically in the mortgage business, usually those drops in the Dow signal the movement of money that would translate um, over into uh, a reduction in interest rates for us because the the safe bet is usually that more long-term bet um, in the bond market, mortgage-backed securities market, than it is in the stock market. And so uh, one would think with as much volatility lately that it'd be really pushing us uh, the rates down here, but um, that's really not been the case. Um, there haven't been tremendous price improvements given um, like these plummeting days. It's not going one for one. Um, and so it's just kind of a reminder there too that it doesn't always work like that. Uh, oftentimes people talk about um, interest rates and say, well, who sets the interest rates and stuff? Um, I thought we could talk just a little bit about that today um, because we've got we've got some data came out last week about the feds and what their interest rates are, um, the target interest rate overnight rate. 
um, and then also Prime. And um, I think oftentimes people are just confused about what those rates are, mm -hmm. what those rates mean to us. And then ultimately, I mean, what's the rate you care the most about? Well, your mortgage rate, really. I mean, that's what's going to determine how many dollars and cents you uh, you pay. Out I care. Month. Yeah, for me, I care about my mortgage rate. And I care about my savings, savings rate. rate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And ideally, my savings rate is going to be higher than my mortgage rate. And man, has it been a long time since that's been the case. There's no doubt about that. You yeah. Know, you, you talk about uh, that that flow of money, and we always we always talk about how the stock market and bond market are competing for the same investment dollars. And so, if things are looking great and people are feeling confident about things that are happening in the economy, then they put their money into the stock market, expecting and hoping for those higher rates of return. Where we've seen recently a lot of uncertainty, uh, the opposite holds true, where that money will then flow out of the stock market, and we'll see those big drops in the Dow, like 264 points you'd mentioned on Thursday, and we'll see that uh, safe haven into the bond market, which typically will support those lower interest rates. So, so we definitely have been seeing that this week, for sure. Fun enough. Um, hey, look at that. We already made it here to the first commercial break. Um, we're going to have to pick up the pace in the next few minutes here because uh, when our guest comes in, um, we lose we lose the uh, the economic piece in such detail. Sure. And uh, some people give us the feedback that they that's what they listen for. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't think so. It's not the kind of radio show I'd be listening to. But, <laughs> hey, who am I to judge you guys? <laughs> it's uh, 918 right now. We're going to do a first commercial break. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. When we get back, uh, we got more Mortgage Matters coming at you. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. 
A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Nothing. Uh-huh. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. You know, Jason's been on the show a few times with us. It dawned on me recently that this is your first time coming on to the 9 o'clock hour. Um, it is a new time for us here recently. Yeah, so maybe some of the folks that are listening right now have, like, zero idea who you are. And, in fact, maybe they have zero idea who I am. I guess I should allow for that possibility, too. Sure. So let's do, uh, let's do a brief little segment here of Meet the Jasons. All right. And so you, uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, would you? I'll go first, and then, um, and then so you can kind of see the, the framework of what I'm thinking here. Um, my name's Jason Grody. And I am 36 years old. You don't have to do age if you don't want to. I've lived in the Central Coast here for 16 years or so. This is starting to sound like a dating site. Do you yeah, like long I went, walks on the beach? Yeah, totally, barefoot. <laughs> I went to Cal Poly, and I majored in city and regional planning. And when I got out of Cal Poly, my wife had a year left to go, and we I didn't want to take her out of school. It was so hard um, for her to get in and, um, she was so close to being done that I tried to find a job in planning that would keep me close to home. I had already had some great planning jobs that were sort of like student based, like interny jobs at Caltrans and the city of Atascadero and stuff. And, and anyway, I, I took a job at a mortgage company, um, just thinking that it was relevant because it was like about housing and I could, um, I could just figure that out. And then in a year, that experience would help me get a good planning job. Mm -hmm. And I never left the mortgage business. I, I really, um, I fell in love with it, honestly. And I think that might even sound cheesy to say, but you got to remember too, is that I wasn't a loan officer. I worked on the inside of the bank. And, underwriter, uh, right? You were yeah. underwriter for a lot and of And when years. I was underwriting, um, yeah. And then I became like the kind of the operations manager and then, um, you know, managed basically most of the facets on the inside of the the mortgage bank. I ended up training and managing those roles, and um, I mean, so obviously it's not rocket science if a guy like me could do it. But um, I was always people always said to me that uh, it was strange that somebody with a personality like mine was in the bank side. That usually when you're like an extrovert that likes to talk a lot and um, that you usually end up going out on in the sales side and the extroverts are the ones that end up behind the desk quietly, you know, staring at their shoes while they work. Um, and so it was interesting that I got a lot of hard, a lot of good results. Um, always had a good amount of luck managing people and, um, did just enjoyed working and, uh, and then eventually I decided to go over and, uh, 
become a, a salesman, to be a loan originator. And so I did that when I when Dan and I started this company. I had never done sales in any way for a mortgage company. I had some salespeople that um, were like B2B. So they were not selling to consumers, but they were selling out to like other brokers that were selling to consumers. And that was, so I managed those salespeople and I knew how to tell them how to do their job and to train them and do everything, but they weren't loan officers either. So when I became a loan officer, that was that, man. I, I was like, hey, get in there and learn how to do it. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. I, I really like what I do and, uh, it's fun for me. Um, one of the, th one of the things about being a loan officer where I'm actually working with the clients is that, uh, I got to keep a really close eye on, um, the markets and everything. And so I know how to best help and protect my clients. And so um, this all just comes real natural to support that. So it's been a great fit doing the show. Um, so yeah, there you go. I like that. That's, that's the good. meet the professional side. So that's what we're going to do. No, don't do that. The thing you usually do about the 41 cats you have and stuff. I just want you to tell us. <laughs> Um, I don't have any cats, by the way. Did, did I do have know, a little dog, though. I, so I don't sometimes. know that I've sold him out on the radio before. Did you know this dude was in the NFL? I think so. Yeah, did I you? think you did mention that one time. In the NFL, is yeah. that's, that's Using an interesting the... definition, <laughs> for sure. I played a couple preseason games as a punter. So some people would even that's say... That's in the NFL, dude. Yeah, I mean, NFL. I have a jersey, you've, which is good. You've had the grass from, like, a professional football team... Mm -hmm. Um, stuck to your cleats before. Yeah. This is true. This is true. That's a, this is a small I mean, slice of my life for sure. You're big time. We won't get into that. We'll go into, we'll stay in the professional side of things. Like you said, um, it's interesting because you said sales and I think that that's always that I always cringe a little bit when I hear sales totally. in, in our industry because there's, you definitely come across people that view it like sales. And I think that one thing that, that has made you successful and I've just learned this from being around you and I think it, it mirrors sort of how I handle my business um, is not viewing it as sales it's really helping people and when a client comes in and sits down and and wants to know what their options are there are the sales guys that look at the, the scenario and say this is how it's gonna benefit me the most and that's the direction that I'll steer them I'll sell them in that direction and I think we're uh, we handle our business in a way where it, we always like to to get all the information and then make help the client make the best decision that they can moving forward. So I always, always cringe at that sales word, but, but my, my professional career was very similar. I, uh, went to college, had a finance degree, came out of college, did the, uh, tried to do the NFL thing for a little while, which is a tough gig to, to hold down and maintain and ultimately decided to, uh, to put my finance degree to work, went to work for a local company, um, doing loans, some included car loans, personal loans, and mortgages as well, and <clears throat> ultimately decided that the job that I was doing and what I was, what we were forced to charge our clients, I just wasn't comfortable with. I knew that I could put myself in a, in a position where not only could I offer a better product, but I could do it at less cost. And so, I think just me personally feeling and knowing that I could do a better job for my clients made me. Do a little bit of soul searching and and looking at you know where I could put my time and energy and ultimately found the mortgage business was a good fit for that because you did have a lot of control over you know people's futures and had a high impact 
um, position where you could spend some time with them and it really would affect them personally over years to come. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I really do believe that um, for me, sales is service. Uh, if if somebody is attempting to help serve somebody's needs, sure. whether it's selecting the right juicer or tires for their car or a, a home loan or retirement plan, um, if you're serving that person, helping serve their needs by being the expert, I mean, that's something you can't really just fake that. It, it comes with conviction because it's what you know about in the way that you do it. And and that's the part of it that I really like. I mean, I try to tell all my clients that um, I sort of custom fit the loan transaction. I have clients, believe it or not, that come in and they don't want any um, they don't want any explanations. They don't want to review forms. They don't want to participate too terribly much. If anything, they like they'll like slow down as you review the fee worksheet and yeah, that that's what we're after. That's fine. Sure. And then robo sign the whole stack. And I get these clients in that are very detail oriented, you know, like the engineer type that um, is just every single form wants to take the time, want to review the, uh, make sure they understand. And, um, and I really like, I really like those clients, but so I, I try to get from the client, you know, where are you on this spectrum? Like a, a sign and run guy or a really slow down and spend some hours here understanding um, and do the whole thing. And I actually, from my experience in the business, uh, most loan officers are um, don't really love the understanding, explaining, making sure we're good on this page before going to the next. Um, you know, oftentimes I've always, I've always felt like it's just too rushed. And so I like doing it that way. I think you're a pretty sense. thorough dude too. Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's different. And so yeah. everyone's needs are going to be a little bit different and it's our job to make sure that we can identify what's important to them and then be able to provide that to them. And so it's, you can't force a round, a round peg into a square hole. And I don't, I don't think there's a reason to You're do that. You're explaining the, uh, what, what an APR rate truly is. Right. You're explaining APR to a dude that like is looking at his watch. Like <laughs> exactly. He's not interested. So, or the other people that are like, they are going, man, I never have ever understood the difference, um, what APR is and, and why it matters. I think that a big piece of that is that we just care. I mean, it just makes sense to care because the business is important to us. Some people are have the luxury of sitting at a bank or in, a, in an office where the loans just come in and the next guy walks in and the next guy walks in. And for us, it's it's not necessarily that way. We, we have to go out there and we have to, like you said, the customer service side of things has to be really at the forefront of, of all of our actions. And yeah. the, the only way you're going to get the referrals is if people at the end of the day say, you know what, this was a good, a good process for me. And to be able to do that on a consistent basis is to understand what their needs are and to, to be able to provide that to them. So, yeah. What do you tell people when they ask you about APR? Well, it's sort of a funky number, right? I mean, it's, it, it is part of the transaction and there's been a lot of focus on it because what makes up that APR is not only the effective interest rate that you're 
that you're going to pay, but then what the loan actually ends up costing you. Right. And so if you understand that if there's a big gap between the interest rate and the APR, <laughs> there's, there's a, a lot reason of fees. why. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it, it's some people that uh, are in that sales position who are going to be making maybe a little bit more because the APR spread is big and there's some fees in there that maybe they don't want to highlight. Uh, they maybe skirt around that a little bit, but uh, yeah. So APR in in terms of um, why it's significant and part of fair lending is APR allows you really to compare two offers. I apples mean, it, to apples. If yeah. you said, um, you know, because let's just say the government comes along and says, "Hey, everybody, you need to say what your interest rate is." Um, okay, which one? Well, what's the What's the predominant one you're going to use? Five percent. Okay, okay. Lenders, you're all five percent. Um, and they say like, well, who's gonna? How much can you charge? And they go, well, I'm going to charge an administrative fee, and I'm going to charge a a broker fee, and I'm going to charge a, a loan processing fee. Oh yeah, and an application fee. And then the next, and you know, and all those things are twelve hundred bucks. And then the next lender comes along and says. Well, I don't, I, I've actually never liked application fees and processing fees, so I don't do that. Um, you do, however, have like the uh, flying pink elephant fee on my loan. Right. Um, I don't feel and, very good and today. And it's, so. less, it's less than the, the 1200 bucks. Mine's only 900 bucks. Right. Um, and then, so you start end up where people can't really get a good idea of like, well, you named it something else. It's like turns out to be kind of following the nut. So I don't I don't really understand where you're going with this. What's the bottom line here? Yeah. The bottom line is APR. Right. So what's your rate and what's your APR? And and I always tell people pretty simply this way is that APR, what it what it attempts to do is find the true cost, the true cost to borrow. And it's not just the interest that you're gonna pay, but um fees that you pay to get that credit. Um, there's a certain amount of those fees that are equated to interest and then back into this number. And um, the the bottom line is, is that that's pretty simple. If you have to pay $10,000 to get this interest rate um, of 4%, that 10,000 bucks as a percentage of what the overall, you know, cost and, and, loan amount and everything is, that's going to end up really um, telling how much it truly costs you. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to be a consumer and just run out and just go, I'm going to go get four quotes. Um, I'm going right. to get one on Monday. I, oh, good. I got, I was productive today. I got two on Tuesday and then one on Thursday. So, well, the market changes an awful lot from day to day. Sure. Um, those quotes were only good in one day. But I'll tell you what's not different um, from day to day with those particular lenders is um, is really the the spread between their note rate and their APR. Right. So there's there's some cool tricks like that that you can come to, but um, I always get a kick out of APR. And and if you ever Google APR, like go to APR and Wiki and go read through that thing. Well, I mean, I don't got to tell you, you have a finance degree. It's a it's a nasty little explanation that leaves yeah. you at the end scratching your head going, I don't think I understand that, but you want a low one. <laughs> yeah, and, tight, and a tight spread from the rate. Right. And one thing that I always like to show my clients is 
you're always going to have some kind of cost in a transaction. And if you were to pay those costs straight from your checking account, then essentially your interest rate and your APR are going to be the same. So it's it's that extra cost that's financed into the loan, which will create that higher APR. Yeah. Well, and to take it one step farther, though, not to disagree with you, but to disagree a little bit is that... Um, even if you pay cash, there are fees that are going to be included in your APR. Sure. And it's not because they're being financed or somehow being part of the loan, but um, under fair lending, there's a there's a list of fees that are deemed APR sensitive fees. And this is this gets to be when I used to do compliance, like at Countrywide, I was also the compliance officer for my branch, and, and I get a little bit fired up about compliance issues with loan officers because mm -hmm. um it, it, it's a big deal i mean sure. we got to we got to get these things right and we got to know how to do it and what i found was um the oftentimes loan officers because they're the ones responsible for selecting which fees are going to be in a loan like you know yeah we're doing an escrow fee and within the escrow we're charging a courier and we're charging a notary and we're charging a dock drawing fee and then of course we have an appraisal fee and we're getting a credit report fee all these different fees the loan officer generally has to know what fees are in this kind of a loan and then out of those fees, which ones are actually deemed to be APR sensitive fees, and then mark them so that the APR calculator within the software knows that, oh, hey, this fee is identified as an APR sensitive fee and therefore goes into the APR. Um, and so what you're up against is you go out and Lenders, um, when, when a borrower is shopping, lenders prepare their, um, like a truth in lending statement. And these guys come in and say, oh, well, Ben gave me an AP, you know, the note rate's four and the APR is 4.001. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, can I, can I look at it? And I go, well, first of all, Ben didn't select like nine APR sensitive fees that need to be selected so that the software calculates them back. So sadly, when the consumer's walking around trying to compare two offers, it was a, they're built on a false premise. Sure. And so when I became a loan officer, I got so frustrated with that is, you know, and we ran, we ran for years. Our mantra was, if you're getting a loan somewhere, bring us the good faith estimate and we'll beat it. And I mean to tell you all today that I'll do that today and I'll do that until the day I retire. Um, Quicken is not better than us. Wells Fargo is not better than us. There's not a loan company around that can make a better deal than we can. And so... I, we marketed that. We were the new kid in town. Mm -hmm. How else do you gain market share where you still, you have zero? I have no market share. <laughs> and I go, wa I'm walking around saying, uh, I, I put an ad in the phone book. I got a website. I'm looking for some help. Um, no, man, you got to come out, establish your credibility in the marketplace, undercut your competitors. I mean, isn't sure. that like, it's got to be like business 1A. Um, so anyways, that's what we did. And then people would bring these things over and be like, well, so-and-so over at, you know, the loan hut down the street is saying that they can do this. And I go, no, 
First of all, that dude at the Loan Hut's a guy that I've fired from two companies in town because he still can't figure out how to get an APR correct. Sure. Um, so that's just a frustrating thing. I do think it's getting better, though. I think just making that connection, being able to make that connection between APR and cost of the loan is just important. And you, you, you touched on it there perfectly. Bring it, People like to stand in front of their house watering their grass or washing their car, talking to their neighbor about the interest rate that they got. Yeah. But if if your low interest rate loan has $10,000 in closing costs, that's something that you need to be aware of heading into the transaction. Because sometimes yeah. that, that really low interest rate doesn't pencil out um, as far as costs go. So there's, there's definitely a balance between cost and interest rate that you have to understand. And I do the same thing with my clients. Let me look at what you've got and we'll make it apples to apples together. And then usually the, the path that makes the most sense will be very clear together without sales, without this, this right. is the right move for you. So, yeah. And I'm not afraid to say that's a better deal than what we can offer. But like you said, it comes up fortunate. sometimes. Sure. I'm not going to lie. There's been a couple of instances, especially where somebody's like usually pot committed to some degree to the, to the transaction they're in. Like they, they'll go, you know, I've been listening to your radio show for years and I'm like three weeks into a Quicken loan. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and in the last three weeks, the market maybe has gotten a little bit worse and what I could lock today, I could have locked way better three weeks ago. And, and the lock that they have is close enough or something where it just doesn't make sense to scrap it and start all over. I got no problem saying just exactly. stick with what you got already paid for the appraisal. Yeah. Or getting, people yeah. come in and they say, oh, I'm going to refine like they're, they're hell bent on refinancing and they sit down and I go, I wouldn't do this. It you doesn't know, out, right. You're there isn't enough gain improvement over your situation for you guys just to be dealing in the, in the transaction. Um, one of the things I think that consumers so fail to understand, and it's, um, it's not a chicken or the egg problem. Historically, loan officers have been uh, compensated based on the interest rate that they get. Correct. Okay? I'll tell you this. This is kind of an aside for the folks that are listening. Um, I, I bought a new truck, not brand new, but I bought a new truck a little more than a year ago, and I was down at the dealership, and I wanted to get a loan on it because interest rates are like nothing. And... Uh, so I asked the guy, I said, so I do finance for a living. I'm sitting at the finance table with my 12C, you know, I'm ready to crunch some numbers. And I asked the guy, I said, so level with me, you're going to give me an interest rate um, that you're picking, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's either the bank just said, if they're approvable, here's their rate, right? Or what's more likely is there's some rate options that I'm not being presented. And if it goes through without a hitch, the your company stands to make more money to have me get a higher interest rate. I mean, that's the way I believe it to work. Sure. And dude, classy guy, he goes, all right, I'll play. Um, <laughs> said there are some banks that we work with that they don't do that. They will not let you put your client into a higher interest rate for your own gain. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of banks that do. Mm -hmm, and sure. so they end up, um, oftentimes the loan officers do push towards 
you know, having these guys go to the places where their bank gets a kickback or their their dealership gets a kickback for using that big bank. Um, so anyway, higher, offering the higher rate, offering more rebates back to the to the. I got myself a sure. pretty sweet deal. I bet you were able. To and work then out. at the end of it, I mean, I signed all of the paperwork, and when I got my first payment letter a week later, my rate was even less than what we discussed. And I called the guy up and said, you know, what gives? And he said, oh, um, yeah, you. there was a lower rate for you. And I go, thank you. You know, <laughs> I don't know what to do about that, but I appreciate it. Sure. Um, you know, and, and he didn't even ask me to refer my friends and family to him. But um, I was actually home motors in Santa Maria. I had a good experience there. Nice. At any rate, um, in the mortgage world... Um, and this is the part where if, if you're bored and haven't been paying close enough attention to the show, this is the part where I want to tell you to, to lean towards your radio and listen to what I'm about to say. Is that, let's just say um, on the average transaction for simplicity's sake, I'm going to use round numbers here, but I'm going to do 4.5%, a 4%, and a 3.5%. And I'm going to say that the 4.5% loan um, all, by the way, all three of these loans, as we're going to talk a little bit about what rate does to a loan here, all three of these loans have got some expenses in them that you just can't get around. We're going to have to do an appraisal, mm -hmm. 500 bucks. We're going to have to open title, uh, you know, get a title report, open escrow, do all that work. Notary. On the average right. house in San Luis, uh, you know, for like a refi, that's like 1500 bucks, I'd say. Sure. Um, and then depending on the lender, um, you're always going to have lender fees of about a thousand bucks. Um, it could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less, um, could have some funny names. Sometimes they'll call it application fee. Sometimes they'll call it pink flying elephant fee. Doesn't matter what it is. It's usually about a thousand bucks. So the average client's going to come into my office and be like, you know, I'd, what are my options here? And I said, well, first of all, those fees, the appraisal, title escrow, and then underwriting bank fees and stuff, um, those are what I call third-party expenses. And um, yeah, some of them are tied a little bit to your loan amount, but for the most part, they're fixed. You know, like you don't you don't pay more for an appraisal um, on a four hundred thousand dollar house than you do on a hundred thousand dollar house. Exactly, same fee. It pretty much that way. Credit report costs the same, all these things. So you end up with this. This is the cost then. Is it, It's on average, it's 3000 bucks to get a loan. And those are actual hard costs. But we have not yet discussed how um, your loan officer is being compensated. But so just know that in all three of my rate deals, four and a half, four and three and a half, there's $3,000 of actual fixed cost. But see, 4% is... Um, the one in my scenario here that I'm going to call zero points. You don't have to pay the bank um, any points like origination fees or discount points or however they want to term it. You don't have to pay that. Um, the only thing that you have to pay is your third-party fees, mm -hmm. which are about three grand. So if you got the equity, you could tack it onto your loan. If you don't, um, you could pay it by check, uh, whatever. It's 3000 bucks. The... The next one going, you know, well, I don't want 
I want to, I want that three and a half. So you say, well, that's cool for that lower interest rate as the bank, I'm going to make less over time off of you. Um, and so you're going to give me something up front. Um, and so that's what we call discount points or origination points or something. So we have them chip in up front. And on a deal like that, to go from four to three and a half percent on a, you know, probably a three or four hundred thousand dollar house, we're talking like 10 grand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to save you a lot of money over the life of the loan. It's going to cost you 10,000 bucks. Um, now, now you're in for like 13 grand to get a loan. That's a lot of money. Sure. Might be the right decision for you. We got we got to talk about that in a minute here. But then the other part of this equation is like, well, what about that four and a half rate? Mm -hmm. If if the four was the no points and the three and a half was like the two points, basically, what happens at four and a half is because the lender is now going to be making extra interest over the life of the loan and they know it, they're willing to participate in paying all or some of your fixed cost. Sure. So that's basically like negative points, if that's a right way to help people think about it. They'll, they'll um, basically give you money to do the loan at that yeah. interest rate. So it might, that might be three or five or 10,000 bucks. And you can't turn a profit off of taking a higher interest rate. So you, it's not like you can leave with 10 grand to your pocket because of the high rate you took. But you can use that money to pay your property taxes, your homeowner's insurance, um, your, you know, all of your third party costs, uh, your HOA fees, kind of anything you could think of in terms of like those expenses on your house that are ongoing, we could use that to cover. He said, all right, so I kind of get that. I can do a higher rate and have no transactional costs, but I'm going to pay a lot more over time. Um, some companies market that as a free loan. You're not going to hear me walking around talking about that as a free loan because companies get sued over that practice. That loan is not free. That loan costs more money over time. Sure. Um, and so, they, that's how they market that is the, yeah. you, you often hear on the commercials, no closing cost loan, you know, close, close a loan with no points, no closing. Cost and the no funny loan. thing is, is that those companies that advertise that way, they're smart for doing so. We rarely advertise that way. It's a little, um, it's a little misleading. I it, think it, it is. It's a little misleading because you're, you're basically saying that this no cost loan, everyone assumes that no cost means the best deal possible. And that isn't always the case. Hey, so how can you be better than me on a no cost loan? Well, if, if neither <clears throat> offer a and offer B from two lenders are, um, no cost, mm -hmm. I'm not buying even an appraisal. I don't have to pay for my credit report. How do you compare those two? Well, the lowest interest rate is That's right. going to be the best. And on any given day, um, because of the difference in the, the way these companies position themselves in the market, your no-cost loan, um, you know, I might say it's four and a half, and I'm, I'm using these numbers for illustrative purposes. They're not, they're not going to prove to be true, um, but for a few, you know, clients that fit this bill. But, um, and by the way, they're not far off. Right. I mean, if you, could you accomplish a no cost loan this week on a $400,000 loan for a four and a half? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, 
a couple of points. The next lender might be four and three eighths yeah. on no cost. You mm-hmm. might even find four and a quarter no cost. And that then is one of those reasons to be comparing lenders and making sure that you're getting a good deal. And I've actually had one time I had um, it was an aunt, but a person in the family say, oh, I, I, I refinanced my house. And I go, huh, awesome of you to do that and tell me now at this Christmas party uh, <laughs> how you did business with somebody, not me. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. It was one of those no-cost deals, so nobody even made any money on it. I didn't want to bother you with it. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome of me now for having people in my life that I love um, and them having still no idea at all how finance works. Sure. Um, yeah, the, the funny thing is, is that the loan officer and stuff still makes a living originating a loan where you're not incurring actual out of pocket or out of equity costs. So before we move on from this though, I want to illustrate this point because some people say, well, why would you do that higher interest rate or why, when does it make sense to go down into that three and a half deal? Um, and so I want to give you two examples of people that, um, one chose the four and a half because it all, all reasons pointed to that for them. And another that recently did the three and a half. And, um, and, and so this is, they're both right, by the way. Right. Um, so first couple is, um, a newly married couple bought their first home together, um, know that it's a starter home, mm-hmm. know that their income growth is pretty vertical, and know that they're going to be in this home for a very short period of time. Um, they're planning on two to four years. So they went on the side of having uh, the four and a half rate, which was definitely $100 more than the 4% rate and $200 more than the 3.5% rate per month. So no money out of pocket today, right? Not paying that even that three grand because that 100 bucks a month, is all, it's two and a half years. So they just, I'm not going to pay the closing costs in any way because it doesn't fit the plan for what I have going on. Um, you then, you know, so when I sit with my clients, I, I might propose that, well, hey, here's what a four and a half looks like. And it's not going to cost you anything. And it's less than the loan you have today. Mm-hmm. But here's what 4% looks like. And yeah, 4%, that's the one where it's no points, but you have your third party fees. This is going to cost you three grand, but it's going to save you a hundred bucks a month. Um, now you're going to break even on that upfront cost, you're going to pay it. You're going to break even in less than three years. So you're going to then officially be saving a hundred bucks a month for the next, um, you know, it's going to take 30 months. So for the next 330, you win the hundred bucks a month, right? That would make sense to pay the three grand to me rather than stay at the four and a half and not pay anything, but not save that money. Um, and then likewise, three and a half percent goes even farther. Um, the break even points in the market today, though, are close to about 100 months. If you're going to buy down and get a lower rate, it's about 100 months to break even. So there was another couple that came in recently, went through all the math. Their break even point was at like 85 months and they paid the fees, wanted the three and a half rate and wanted to do it because... Um, 
the rate saved them for the whole 30 years. And that 30-year deal ends up, um, over the life of it, they save a couple hundred thousand bucks. And they go, this home um, my dad built, and I'm going to die in this house. And I hope it's 50 years from now, but I'm never leaving. Bury me in the backyard. And so paying those points to get a lower rate because you know you're going to be there, the break-even point in seven years, all right, that's a good deal. So that person's right, too. So. Now, just to zoom back out a little bit, the point that I want all of you guys to hear is the interest rate and closing cost structure of a loan is a process that you need to be coached on so that you understand what your options are, calculate the break-even points for you, hold that conversation in a way that you now know what's at stake and can decide what's the best fit for you and your family. Um, this is something that I try to do, um, early and often with my clients Mm -hmm. is, you know, all the way up to the day that we lock is say, okay, that we're officially locked now. And this deal is the deal, but you can have any of these rates and I'll print them out all the fee worksheets and say, look at them, you know, tell me which one works for you do you have questions do you want me to crunch math can i build you another spreadsheet um and that's fun for me um i guess technically that's sales but i don't see it as sales i see it as service i agree yeah, yeah i agree with you that knowing the the key important pieces of their specific scenario is so important and how long you plan on being in that loan and applying, you know, Shouldn't what interest rate every loan costs. transaction talk about that as a primary tenant? It should be the start of the conversation for sure, for sure. But because I guarantee it, you, people around that got loans where that wasn't even talked about. They had how long are you going to be here? You know, well, I know my mom said never pay for points, so I know I'm not doing that. <laughs> exactly. Um, those kind of things are around, and it's unfortunate. It's just the deeper level that uh, you have to understand to really do the best job that you can for your yep. clients. Hey, we got um, under a minute now to the top of the hour break, and so I want you guys to know that we're going to have um, a few minutes to freshen up the coffee. I think all together it's like a five-minute break. So you're going to freshen up your coffee, do what you got to do, water the dog. Um, when you get back, we got a whole hour here. Um, we're going to have Chris Richardson on um, and maybe a guest. It looks like maybe he brought like a special co-host for himself. Anyways, um, stick around. We got an hour to go here with you. We're going to we're gonna keep it fun um, bringing you those tips. So stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. It's 10.05 now. Um... Hey, this is the last day of September already. That, or I mean, last radio show of September for us. That crept up fast. 
It's going to be October here in days. We were Halloween costume shopping yesterday. You were? For my boy, yeah. Yeah? He wants to be a ninja this year. Okay. Just pretty exciting. And what are you going to be? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'm usually a last minute type of uh, put something together kind of thing. Easy now. Go ahead. (laughs) Go a lot of different directions. Easy now. I have an idea. You should be like a... Like a scary clown dentist thing. Like, dentist? Yeah. How does that yeah. tie into the clown thing? It's I don't just know. Creepier? You look clowny, kind of, but like you'd make a good scary clown dentist. Clowns are guy. just scary in general. And so right? are dentists. This is true. This is very true. I haven't seen the scary clown dentists. No, you're going to have to piece it together. Yeah, I, I will. But you could get like the hot dentist outfit and then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. I digress. <laughs> hey, guys. So this morning on the show, um, all right, kill the haunted house um, thing. Thanks, Jim. This morning on the show, we have Chris Richardson in and uh, not a first timer here, but um, definitely first time in the new slot. Um, so could be that there's uh, folks listening that aren't familiar with you. So um, how about a little, uh, you know, I mean, Take take twenty minutes here and just give us your bio real quick. How about twenty seconds? All right, fair enough. Uh, Chris Richardson, uh, broker, Richardson Properties, um, Cal Poly grad, uh, been in San Luis, back in San Luis now for about twelve years. Uh, we work with uh, quite a few different land developers and home builders, uh, representing new home communities and as well as resale homes in San Luis. Uh, we're affiliated with Christie's. Uh, international real estate so we also have ability to market high-end premier properties and and market them in a way that um is is pretty innovative and and out of the uh market them outside of our county out of our state and in some instances out of the u.s to international uh, potential buyers so um those just a in a snapshot that's kind of what we do good i see your signs all over the place it seems and maybe it's just because i know you but i'm like hey good for him he got that you know that deal going on but um you have some noteworthy projects you've been a part of what would tell us about a couple that most people are going to be aware of um that you're doing well we finished out closed out the sales at marsh street commons which was the down the new downtown home community um that's the one that's right across the street from the foster freeze fosters and mccarthy's yes (laughs) (laughs) um that was really successful that was uh made up of about 8,500 square feet of new commercial retail along Marsh Street, four high-end condos above that retail space. And then behind that building uh, is eight single-family detached small lot homes. So they're essentially they're like a townhome with no attached wall. Um, and and that's we had that pre-sold probably, uh, I would say before framing, we were 85, 90% sold out on the residential side and then um, pre-sold the, the, the remaining uh, residential before before they were completed and also got the commercial sold before it was completed. So It looks great. Yeah. And it was surprising to me how fast it went up. It really is a cool project. Um, I'm curious, though, uh, as a lender, I'm just going to throw this out there. That project is a pain in the butt to finance. Did everybody that um, got those units just pay cash? Uh, well, the, the house, I can take it. Be honest with me. (laughs) 
the houses in the back were were not difficult because they're single family sure. detached, no HOA. You're right. The four condos were a little bit of a challenge. Fortunately, we had some buyers that were all cash at the beginning. Uh, we did have a local community bank finance one of a, of the condos, and then one of our customers was from out of the area, had a banking relationship, and their local community bank financed it for them. So it took a relationship lender to make that loan. They're, as you know, they they weren't a certainly weren't a conventional product, right? And so. So that that is a bit of a challenge on the mixed use for sure. Some of that stuff I love seeing come into town, but I know that it's something. I mean, we get calls all the time for stuff like that. People want to know, hey, can you finance this? And I'm like, man, you're really opening a can of worms. But um, great project. So I'm always like, oh, I wish I could be more a part of that. But um, I'm still excited to see it come to slow. Yeah, I think it's, um, I so, mean, I, I really personally like that product and and um i think it's a, a great addition to the downtown i'm hoping there's quite a few more projects or properties that are working through the entitlement process that will bring that type of product to market probably looking at a year and a half to two years from cool. now so i just think it you know we have such a great downtown it's it's kind of the perfect environment environment for more housing i'm i'm also looking forward to uh the hospitality projects that are coming with the Copeland's Chinatown uh, Hotel and then um, the Broad Street, uh, Garden Street Terraces, sorry, on Broad, mm-hmm. Broad Garden. So ho- hopefully those will uh, uh, come to market here soon as well. I think that will, they'll be great additions to the downtown. Yeah. And then you're involved in another little housing project right now, aren't you? Uh, we are just, just kind of around the corner from where we are here at Sarah, uh, off of Prado Road, Sarah Meadows. Mm-hmm. And I think, was it about a year ago that I was on? We were talking yeah. then. I mean, you guys had like an interest list at the time that I think mm-hmm. was being reworked. And um, I think there was, it was pretty close to, I think, just having figured out that you guys were going to be reworking floor plans and upgrades and stuff okay. a little bit. And so uh, I am interested now in finding out about um, what's going on in the project at this point well it's been a busy year or so from when i was last on but we have um uh, sold approximately 50 homes in our first four phases um the the community totals just under 180 homes so we're just under a third of the way through and uh the sales pace has been fantastic i think the market has responded really well to the product and and the value um so it's it's been very successful. Our only issue is we can't build them fast enough. So yeah. it's that d- delivering and getting them built and kind of staying in front of the market demand is has been the challenge. But sure. Um, when you when you're dealing with developer developers that are doing projects like that, there's always got to be a little. It's a little bit of a gut check, right? I mean, no matter how many successful projects you've done before, when you break ground on another one where you're got a lot of capital tied up and sometimes even borrowing. Um, it's got to be pretty nerve-wracking. Is the project so far meeting expectations, selling for what we hoped or more, um, keeping everything, encouraging these dudes to go again? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely yes. When they when when it was purchased by the current owner as a company called Resmark, who's a pension fund advisor, um, and when they purchased the property, I believe that they were looking at price points probably in the four to 600 range. And that was 
probably almost four years ago. And obviously, as you know, the market has improved pretty significantly from that point in time. So our price points basically are about 540 to typically to about 720. We do have some of our larger homes that have have sold for more closer to the 800 and, and at 800. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a successful project for them and they are confident in moving forward, but there are a lot of moving parts with a new home community, uh, like that and of that scale. So sure. it's, it's, a it's a fair amount of work to, you know, whether it's sales, marketing, construction, uh, design center, you know, there's a, there's just a lot of different facets to it. The new home sale versus a resale home sale. Sure. So it, uh, there's a few moving parts to stay up on, but I think we're, we're managing it well. Yeah. Well, I'm working with a handful of clients that are looking forward to buying and moving into one of those houses over there. Uh, I have to admit, I still haven't even been by to check it out. Um, not for any particular reason. I mean, other than the fact that I'm not buying a house right now yeah. in San Luis, so. Um, well, we but, need to get you out there so you can see it. I'd love to stomp around okay. and and see what's going on over there. Just you know, maybe check out some of the models yeah. and stuff. Are there other um, Are there other big projects? Not necessarily big, but projects coming down the pipe that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, there's a there's a couple that we're involved in that I'm obviously more excited. I'm always excited about new new housing coming into our marketplace. I think it's critical with the growth that we're seeing with the Rosettas, Mind Bodies, Hathaway, some of the local Central tech, Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending, absolutely. Yep. Um, it, the, the other piece of that is the housing. These companies yep. are growing and their, their employees or many of them are looking to acquire homes. Obviously, some are in the rental marketplace. But uh, So I'm always excited about any new housing opportunities that are coming to San Luis. But we are working, we're involved in the uh, property on Orchid Street. It's called currently called Laurel Creek uh, condom, Condo Project, uh, Condo Community. The I'm, I'm excited about it because the developer that's working on it now has basically revamped the product line and to make it, I think, a bit more appealing. It was pretty vertical in nature, the, f- the first couple phases, which a different builder had, had um, built out. So that's about 85 new condos, and that's under construction now. They're they're doing the site improvements were fair, pretty much done, but they had to rework them a little bit. So that's walk under, me through where this is. If uh, basically Orchid and Broad, just east of Broad on Orchid. Okay, you know like, where the new Bang the Drum uh, brewery is, uh-huh. right across the street from that. Okay, yeah, wow, 85 new condos. Yeah, thereabouts, 85, 87. Wow, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, any idea price points, HOA fees on those uh, units? Uh, I guesstimation, I would say price points are probably going to be, you know, right at or just under four to probably just under five. So, I, which will which will be a nice fills kind of a nice void on the new home side because of where Sarah Meadows picks up in that mid five. So this will be a, a product just below that. So I think that will be. I think there's a void in the market right now, and I think that will appeal to people, and the new product there will be appealing. Um, there's another new home community under construction on Bridge Street called Terraza, which we're really excited about. Um, modern uh, design, uh, some attached and some detached, but um, and those will probably be in the high sixes to 800. 
um, kind of a bit more similar to the Marsh Street Commons pro product. Uh, so, and then also working on one on Pacific Street, uh, Old Church Place. Those are four townhomes, and they're under construction right now. So more downtown. Man, product. just talking to you, I'd be thinking like construction is just cracking around here. Everywhere you look, I mean, it, it sounds like there's a lot of housing coming. That's exciting. There, there's a fair amount underway, um, but we we had, you know, I don't know. It was ten. Sarah, as we talked last time, Sarah Meadows was the first new home community of of any scale. Let's say ten or more uh, of single family detached homes in ten years. Right. So we had a a. a extended drought let's call it and yep. so uh, you know we're kind of making up for that a, a bit but our playing catch-up is probably a better way to say it right yeah there's no question about that i was i was counseling some clients this week and ran into that kind of typical concern of um you know and I, and I don't i don't play realtor at all i mean obviously i'm a licensed broker and i could go sell real estate technically but i never have and i i don't i don't intend to but these, these guys are saying you know you know the way that prices have so increased so rapidly makes me feel like it's a bubble again and that things are going to pop. And, you know, I, there's so many ways that you could respond to that. And there's so many valid ways to shut that down pretty quick. And then, you know, I just said, you know, I, well, I'd really challenge you to think that um, not building for so many years has created such a pent up demand. Um, and often, I talk to a lot of clients that love to buy a house in San Luis Obispo for five, six, seven hundred grand. Um, need to buy for a reason. There's a kid coming or whatever's happening, and there just isn't a house for them. So they go to a Tascadero or they go to Paso Robles, they go to AG, they go wherever. Maybe they love it, maybe they don't. Um, some of those people are out there wanting to move back into slow. Um, and maybe they're selling, they're ready to sell their starter house in Osos and, and that was their bedroom community starting place. And now they're ready to buy something, you know, a little more permanent in San Luis. So there's a lot of that kind of demand that we don't really even understand, let alone the new people that have moved into the area because of these companies that you described that have vertical growth, um, rents going up like crazy. Talking to a buddy of mine that owns one of the biggest property management firms in the county said that they're going through lease renewals right now because of the time of the year that it is, and they're raising rents like crazy across the board, and nobody could even complain about it because if you got an issue with it, the 50 people that are behind you applying are happy to pay the fee. So it's just, it, it still does feel like there's such a crunch around here of um, housing need that we're going to be playing catch up for years on end. So one of the things this guy, as I tell him this, one of the things he says to me is like, well, you know, with these different projects that are going in around town, and there's a couple that are big that, you know, that you've not mentioned this morning, but they go, when all these houses hit, uh, that you're going to find equilibrium and that's when the values are going to soften. And I go, you Tell me where these homes are going in in our city where we're going to end up in equilibrium. It's like got to be eons away. Well, I think a couple important things are, first of all, and I know what you're, I know some of the communities that I didn't mention that you're thinking of, they're not all going to, it's going to take, we're talking about 10 to 12 years of development and not all of them will get developed. So that's one facet of that conversation sure. that you had. We are seeing at, at Sarah Meadows something that I think is interesting and the listeners probably would too, is that 
and it was a little bit surprising, but over 50%, somewhere around 52, 54% of our buyers at Sarah Meadows are young families. So they're either moving up or they're the people that you mentioned from South County that want to move, that work here. They don't want to commute or they're in a Tascadero, North County somewhere. And they, and same thing, they, they would prefer not to commute because their job's here. So that's been a, a refreshing um, thing that we've seen at Sarah Meadows and, and, so I think that there's there's obviously that t- profile of a buyer that's out there. There's certainly the people I call them pre-retirees. They're still working, you know, but they 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 realize they want to be here long term when they fully retire. Empty nesters. We've seen those two people who have larger homes. That's sort of a little bit of a trend in the marketplace. Hey, I'm tired of taking care of the 3,500 square foot house. Let me. Kids are at college. Let's move into something smaller, nice so that we can travel, go visit them, and, and not be a, a slave to the house on the weekend. So, um, and, and then with regard to the market, I mean, the interest rates are still good, as, very good, as you know, and uh, there's a, quite a bit of demand here. I, I, I don't see a bubble. I think the market has obviously improved fairly significantly from where we were at a year, two, three, four years ago. Um, but I don't, I don't really see a bubble forming. I mean, it's, there's not that frenzy that, to me, you need to have to create a bubble. Um, there's demand, and I think there's healthy or, or significant demand, but I, I just don't see a bubble. Yeah. This week, there was a, a couple of news headlines that I thought we'd discuss. Um, you know, as always, we're constantly hearing about, you know, existing, what, what do you want me to do? Just what you did. Move your microphone a little bit. I I moved it. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. This I do feel like it sounds funny. Does do I sound funny to you? No, you're okay. okay. You're good. All right. Just checking. Oh, is this guy still breathing over here? <laughs> well, I'm just listening. I'm listening. I'm excited about the 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 increased supply. I think that. Uh, me personally, I mean, we've got a lot of pre-qualification letters that we've been working on over the last six months and and really frustrated buyers uh, not having the opportunity to, to actually get into a home because of the limited supply. And so I yeah. think that that limited supply, just by the basic law of supply and demand, that forces the, the, the home prices up. And so that that's... We're obviously all still a little bit sensitive to what happened in you know 2006, 2007, and so anytime we see that increased appreciation, everyone instantly is worried and concerned about the bubble. So um, it's always going to be a topic, but it's definitely nice to see some supply coming onto the market, so we can so we can get some people into some homes, which is great. I call um, I call the people that I have pre-approved, you know, just stay fresh, see if I can help them. What do you need? It's like thirty people right now that That's are out lot. looking for houses, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and some of them, it's been like six months, and so I'll hit them up and be like, "Hey, Jeff, just touching base. Are you guys still in the market?" Some part of me wonders if they just somehow got a new lender and closed escrow and are trying to hide out, you know, <laughs> and they're like, no, man, we're looking. We just, yeah. you know, we, wow. Okay. Well, let me know if I can help. There's a lot of people that are looking for places right now that just can't get them. That's got to sound like music to ears of, uh, of builders and guys that work with builders. Um, in the, in the numbers this week, um, housing starts fell, which was kind of an interesting one. Um, last month, the well, last month of the reporting, the month of August, um, they hit a new uh, housing starts hit the highest level in 14 years. 
I'm sorry, this particular one, highest level in seven years, almost a million houses um, annualized. And so then we saw a little bit of a dip and go, oh, what's going on there? Existing home sales, they say, um, lost momentum. And one of the things that was fascinating to me about this was that the chief economist um, for the National Association said that it was uh, basically lack of first-time home buyers coming out to buy and then additionally um let's see here says that the investor taking their all cash transactions and running which is you know to the layman supposed to scare you that the first-time home buyers can't afford it and the investors are running so that's the sign that there's a bubble or something but all in all you know year over year maybe it's a little bit slower pace but the housing still going in a fine direction um and then new home sales came out this week which shows that the so the actual newly never lived in before home um surged 18 percent in august to um a 504,000 annualized pace that's the strongest new home sales number since 2008 um may of 08 which is i think may of 08 is when most people were realizing that Things weren't looking hot, and buying brand new homes was obviously not a uh, heavy priority at that point. So it's good to see some of these numbers um, getting back to that level. It sounds like in San Luis, new construction sales are better than they've been in 12 years. <laughs> I, think that's safe. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. I mean, if we didn't build for 12 years, I mean, that should be the headline, right? Where's the, where's the Tribune headline writers when you need them? Hey, well, uh, I think the, the to comment on that too. The the builders are, their 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 memory of those years is of those bad years is still front of mind, and so they're being very pragmatic and cautious. They're not getting too far out ahead, and they're they're motivated to price to market wherever that market is. They have to price to market, and so and they're obviously highly motivated to sell their homes. So that's a benefit to those buyers that are pre qualified and out there looking. Is that you've got a highly motivated seller versus the seller who's selling one home now nah, maybe let's put it on the market and see if we can get our price i hear that sometimes <laughs> sure so, so i think that's an important those are the ones where i i feel like you see price reductions yep it's like yeah well this guy's just been fishing a fool for 390 days and he hasn't found them yet but he's reduced his price nine times yep um those are always going to be around i mean Good times and bad, those are always a drag on these statistics, too. Um, and usually, like, when you guys are flipping through listings, don't you see one that's been on the market for, like, 65 days? And you're like, well, it's clearly overpriced, but there's probably also some other mm -hmm. things. Like, you go, what's wrong with it kind of thing? Um, you see a house come on that's priced right. It's gone. Still today, it's gone same day. It's multiple offers. It's like... People are so thrilled that something in a good price range came on. Yeah, I think if it's a good if it's a good product, if there's I mean there's always there's always an issue or you know a factor with a piece of property, but if it's priced f to market for all things considered, you're right, it sells pretty quickly. Yep. You guys had uh, in the deals over there um, seeing any um, appraisal issues over the price points or anything? Uh, we have had some, not, not, I wouldn't say that it's a, 
problem that we're f dealing with on every sale, but certainly there are some and we have to kind of get in and, you know, make sure that they have all the information, kind of walk through some of the sales comps and our perspective on them. You know, there's always a, there's always a little bit of subjectivity in that. There's a, all the quantitative data with the sales and the comps, and but then there's always a little bit of the qualitative part. So that's where some conversations come in. But we've been able to work through that and, and uh, haven't had too many issues out there. But it is definitely something that you're you're in tune with and you're yeah. aware of through the whole process. I asked because um, I had two appraisals. Oh, Jim says it's break time. You want to do break time? Yes, I guess we could. I want to do break time I, too. Does this the better for us? I, uh, to out. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's ten thirty, which is a fine time for break time. So let's go ahead and do that. Uh, I want. I do want to remind you guys though that um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, want to share a story about what it's like to be a home buyer right now, you can call in. It's an interactive radio show. Five four three eight eight three zero. So we'll do a couple minute break here. You got that thing reloaded, or is it? Is it still good to go? It's not like a well. The break is is great to go. Oh, okay. Anytime we're ready. Just checking. I just, just got to push one little magic sometimes button Sometimes when and you miss fly. fire, you got to start all over. No, 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 you no, know, no, not me. Packing not the primer. Me. No, I got. I'm, I'm I'm a good engineer here. I got to go. Got it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, commercial break time. When we get back, we got another half an hour to go. So stick around. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people agents working just for you get the experts at patterson realty on your side experience the patterson difference call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com hi this is jason grody at central coast lending host of mortgage matters on kvc let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property lower your rate shorten your loan term or get out of your mortgage insurance call central coast lending today when you buy or refinance a home just call 543 loan just call 543 loan we're the mortgage experts on the central coast central coast lending what a state of generosity look what my agent got for me just by switching to state farm a few hundred unexpected bucks i couldn't ask for more but now i've got to figure out what i should use it for a new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm get to a better state state farm switch to state farm and you could save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, when we we stepped out of the studio for a minute, there were some phone calls that I think were um, we neglected to answer. So call back if you want to uh, get on the air. If you don't want to get on the air, you can actually ask your question. Jim will just screen it and then uh, type us up a little message. We can answer your question. But if you want to, it's 543-8830. Um, I was starting to tell you, before we that um, really intrusive break happened a minute ago, <laughs> that uh, I've actually had a couple appraisals show up short recently, and uh, neither one of them have uh, had a significant impact on the transaction. But just seeing the appraiser more or less say, you know, I I'm two percent less than what your sales price is, and I'm just not getting there, so it just is what it is. And then and then of course. Um, and that's something generally your loan will still work out if you're making a down payment or, you know, or not. Usually it changes whether you have the level of mortgage insurance or something, but usually we can hold the deal together, but they always want the buyer to sign a letter saying why it is they're paying more for a house than it's worth. And, um, those letters are awesome because it's like this one lady, you would think that she was like defending her firstborn or something. She's like, you know, well, I went around and looked at a variety of different homes and there were homes that there's no way I would live in that were like the same price to this one. And then it turned out on the day that I wanted to buy it, that there was like four other people too that were fighting to buy it and I was the lucky one that got picked and I don't care that it's appraising for $5,000 less than I'm paying for it um, and so it's kind of telling of like the market is people are pretty in tune with what they're paying for the house they're getting and then um, also recognizing that in in the right priced homes it's very competitive uh, and it always reminds everyone involved that the real estate appraisal is more an art than a science and oftentimes it just doesn't reconcile the way that fair market value truly feels yeah i i um i mean i i'm a big proponent of buyers and sellers make markets they they you know the buyers that are out there are smart with the internet and all the apps and the websites they know that they know what properties are worth and they know what they're comparing that home to so if they're willing to pay let's say a bit of a premium for a home that is priced well and has some nice attributes that the other 10 that they've looked at does not. And then the appraisers having a hard time justifying that it's, it, it is a bit of a frustration. Um, and, and, you know, appraisers are doing what the best they can with the data they can, but the market is moving too. Yes, so that is. data is somewhat to some extent stale. It could yep. be a day stale or it could be, you know, 90 days stale. So, those are those are some issues and or the the factors that cause issues, um, but yeah, the buyers first of all the sellers, especially the new home developers who are, have multiple you know homes to sell, they're they're studying the market like a hawk. They know exactly where they their product should be positioned, 
in order to obtain a certain absorption because they're not starting to sell one house a month. They're trying to sell four or five. So that's another factor in their pricing. Um, so I, I, I know what issues you're talking about. We've had them. We've had to work through them. And for the most part, we've been able to, to get there. But it's never fun when the appraisal comes back short of the number. It's just not psychologically for anybody. It's not a fun situation. No. No, it's not fun, but it's part of it. I mean, it, it's real estate. It Sometimes it gets a little wild. Um, it's fun, by the way, being the lender in the deal because it's usually something on our watch that's causing everybody the extra fun. <laughs> Somehow I'm responsible for what that appraiser did. Yeah, you control that whole yeah, process, don't I just, you? <laughs> you bet. Come and yell at me. Come and yell at me that the house you're selling is you know, appraising for less than the deal you struck. I Because... I can't do anything about it besides just tell you what the solutions are. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of fun. You've been taking copious notes down there. Surely you have um, questions. Well, I, I also just something to to what you were saying about the appraisers is I think, again, because we had such a market correction not that long ago, so the developers are still feeling the sting of that. And from the appraiser's point of view, they were they were oftentimes pushed to get values that maybe they didn't feel 100% comfortable with. That never happened and you know it. No, well. <laughs> so I think I think a lot of those appraisers are out of the business and the appraisers that are in business now are very mindful and oftentimes fearful of of appraising something a little bit higher than it than it should be. So so you do get these conservative appraisals that come in. Sure. But I think another key component that we have to understand is Back in, you know, prior to 2006, when we were seeing all of this, the, the loans that were available were, I mean, the, you, if you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. Yeah. And so the fact that the guidelines have changed and the loans are a little bit more difficult to get into and the buyers that are actually getting these loans aren't going to bail on them because they're just the, the profile of that particular buyer or borrower is a little bit different. And so I think the I think the guideline changes and some of the things that we've seen in the lending world sort of insulates us a little bit from from maybe those transactions going bad. So so there's there's definitely some different factors happening now. But values coming in and what that appraiser says that value is is always so important. Such a big piece of the puzzle. Such a big piece of the puzzle. You want to know the another thing I think about the appraisal thing, though? Tell me. It used to be as an appraiser, they'd come hit me up like, you know, I was a, I was an operations manager at Countrywide here in town and um, also Paso Robles. And I had a roster of appraisers that we used. And those guys brought some good treats by and they'd take you out to lunch and do everything to try to, like, win your ordering appraisals through their company. Um, for those of us that were like, you know, like I was telling you before, I was the compliance officer and, you know, really always trying to do things ethically and stuff. I always just wanted, I just want you to do good work, be thorough. Don't make errors. If you make an opinion that even people don't believe with, be able to state your opinion clearly so that we can rebut fact and work through this thing. Those were the appraisers that I was putting on the list. Um, and you know, the thing of it is today, and so those appraisers, they were on time. They had good hygiene, great people skills. They were out running a sales lap. They were actually really needed to outperform the other appraisers in the area. 
Now what we did is like make it this like socialist union of appraisers where you belong to an appraisal management company and it doesn't matter. We will hear reports at times of people showing up like in their bathrobe, you know, stinking like booze and they're an hour late, you know, and it's like that's not that's not the kind of appraiser that was thriving in this business um, years ago. So it kind of lowered the bar to everyone. And um, that's been a little bit of a challenge too, is to vet those guys out. We actually, at our company, we have a band appraisers list. Um, there are appraisers that we will not allow the AMCs to send out. Um, and usually it's because they are those offensive guys that also don't do thorough work. So my favorites are, I, we just had one come in this week where uh, we're an appraiser, um, a client called me up and said, this isn't even a picture of my bedroom. This is, this is the <laughs> wrong bedroom. Like that's not Oops. my four poster bed. Yeah, exactly. Oops. I wish I had that bed. <laughs> hey, uh, we, we're going to do some phone calls now. So when you're ready, pick it up and call five, four, three, eight, eight, three, zero. We got the first call here is Michelle and slow. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, my name is Michelle Herber and I grew up in San Luis Obispo and I just came home after about 12 years and I'm ecstatic to be home. Awesome. So I have some questions. Yeah, how's it changed in 12 years since you've been gone? It's unbelievable. I'm a single mom. Um, I, I do multiple things. Uh, I do keep my license in my back pocket. And to say that I'm confused is on the ethics and the morals of everybody in the business that's going on right now is an understatement. And I just wondered, you know, I just wanted to add to what you had to say. And my question is, is when multiple counter offers come in, and let's say you have 20 people sure. in on it, you know, that want, to do, that want the home, and they say, hey, you're the lucky one that got picked, just like, you know, you guys are talking about. How do you know that there's really 19 other offers out there? Do they need uh -huh. to show you proof, or um, you just have to believe them? Yeah, the... Truly, well, I'll answer your question with a, a couple of different statements. I mean, number okay. one is I've got, I, though I'm not the realtor in the group, and, and Chris can speak to this too, um, in our town, if that's always your MO, um, you know, well, hey, I understand you, you wrote an offer today for your client and, uh, you know, and I, good luck. I really hope you do get it. We've got 20 other offers through time. It becomes evident that that person's BSing and that's their MO. It's always like, you know, they're, we're going to counter you because we got this really strong all cash offer and always do this thing. Another thing that sort of, it sort of self governs is that the real estate agents, um, They'll, they go to different firms and they, they get close with different realtors and they kind of move around and, and your reputation of um, how transparent you are in your dealing with the other real estate agents really comes through and has a big impact on who's willing to work with you and whether or not you're honest and ethical. So I'm going to I'm gonna actually step out here and say that my experience is, is that the real estate agents around here are actually pretty trustworthy and I think the game they... they walk is is in truth and um you know and also the other thing is they don't have a burden to prove that to you but you know most of the time 
it's like you know i'm a fisherman and so for me i always like you don't when you get a bite you don't just pick it up and yank it as hard as you can and start just horsing the fish to the boat it's the same thing in these real estate transactions if somebody comes along you don't necessarily want to be trying to scare them off and playing this game they're trying to figure out how to put a deal together too and oftentimes, um, the real estate agents in town that are dealing with one another, they have a lot of history in doing transactions with each other. And uh-huh. they they sort of learn the dance and, and do it together. I don't think, um, I don't actually think there's too much of a game going on there. To me, I'd say okay. it's really just so impacted with demand of 10 years of no new homes. And, and there's no shortage of people wanting to move to San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Well, no, and I think you guys nailed it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I think you nailed it. Uh, the where when I referred to coming back home, is San Luis Obispo is a hometown business, and our names are worth everything. In larger cities, when you're trying to purchase in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, you know, you know those types of things, I've seen in larger cities, people just really, you know having bad experiences with realtors. And I'm just so thankful to hear that San Luis Obispo is still the community that backs your name and knows it. Yeah, I would just, this This is Chris Richardson, I would just add that like, like any industry, you're always going to have a few bad apples. I've worked with a lot of the realtors here in the county, and the vast mm-hmm. majority of them, they're great people. They care really sure. care about their customers. And, you know, finding an agent that you connect with that you believe has your best interest at heart is the best way to address that. And there's going to be situations where there's multiple offers and your agent doesn't control the other side, the listing side. And sometimes you're going to get stories back that sound somewhat unbelievable, but they probably are. So um, it, it is a it is a it can be a frustrating process. But, you know, the the realtor community there vast majority of them are great people they understand that it's about your 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 home your your life it's an emotional experience so i think i'd encourage you to really you know interview several agents and find one that you really connect with and believe has your best interest at heart and and they will work on your behalf to find you a home yep well and that's what's so great about this community as well is that the people that i used to work with 20 years ago are still here and i can still trust them and they're like family yeah so it's just, it's, you really nailed it for me. When I when I went away and was in the bigger cities, I had some bad experiences. Yeah. And now that I'm home, I'm just ecstatic. Let's put well, it welcome way. home. Thanks for coming back. Yes. All I right. was born and raised here. It is the most beautiful place in, in the world. I know that. Excellent. So, All right. Well, great. Michelle, thank you. Thank so you. Appreciate it. Um, when you said earlier about people paying a premium for things, you know what came to my mind was... Um, Sometimes as a buyer, you arrive at a position where you're you're ready, willing, and able to pay a premium, and you know it. Um, and for me, I lost a house trying to be on the, you know, well, I don't want to overpay, and everybody needs to get a deal. And I lost a house that I was pretty excited about. I mean, I remember after we wrote our offer, my wife and I sat back, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be like seriously bummed if somebody else wins this. And then it wasn't even mine, but when it was in escrow, I was like, those, they're in my house. I mean, it's, and I, and then I sat there just hoping it would fall apart. And I was checking every day. Hey, did that thing go back to active? Just like hopefully their buyer wasn't qualified appropriately or somebody botches something. I just remember really 
feeling terrible about losing. So then when we got the next house, what I was like, those feelings came back and I'm like, I'm not losing this one. And, and though I'm going to spend a half a million dollars here, what's another 10 or 20 grand. It's not big enough. And so I'll, I'm ready to pay a premium, man. I'm once bitten twice shy about that. And that's definitely going on in the market. Yeah. I, and that's not wrong. I, I agree. I mean, that that's where, that's where we have the, sometimes have the appraisal issues because there's value that the buyer sees and that maybe the appraiser's having a hard time seeing it. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's important to, you, you don't want to miss out. I mean, uh, uh, to me, a good deal is everybody gives a little bit and they don't get exactly what they want, but, but you, you, you're able to put it together. And sometimes that means that a buyer may pay a little bit more than they wanted. Seller may take a little bit less, but you got there. And, and so, um, you know, hopefully that's where transactions end up and people feel good about it on both sides. Maybe the appraiser needs to have like a buyer sentiment kind of index as part of the appraisals. Just saying, <laughs> you know, here's the other thing, though, about Mr. and Mrs. Jones is they they got beat out on their previous four transactions by offering full price. And so, yes, now they're offering $10,000 overpriced. And that now, you know, is reflected on this schedule. That would be cool. Well, the con the con the <laughs> letter the letter you talked about that I haven't seen that I haven't seen an, that happen with an appraisal, but that's actually not a bad. I mean, that's kind of a good way to you have all this quantitative data. That's that's not a bad way to kind of understand the buyer's mindset and why maybe they were willing to stretch a little. So yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so, man, we're running out of time. This goes by fast. It does. Even uh, even though at times when we sit down at um, at the nine o'clock, I'm like, how are we gonna do two hours of this? It's again? crazy, isn't it? How fast it goes by. It goes by really quick. Now we're down to like ten minutes. Um, and I wanted to. Uh, I thought I'd play this game with the both of you actually. Um, and Mister Mister Silent over here in the corner. Um, the funny thing is, is that these dudes bust me up around the office that I just talk too much and doing. No, the, no one said too much. No one said too much. Just doing the radio show with me is easy because all you you just have to just sit there. Half the time, Dan's over here like Payback. surfing the internet. He's returning emails and <laughs> I was like try to throw things at him to be like, dude, I asked you a question. <laughs> No, he manages to hear the questions in spite of multitasking, but he gets some things done while we're here. Um, I don't. But uh, so I want to find out, Jason, um, what's what are you doing here today and who's an ideal client for you? Ideal client. Um, He's filling in for Dan because he had a baby, but no, um, truly. I think right now the Maybe ideal. Maybe say that Dan's better half had the baby <laughs> i'm not going to quantify which halves are somehow better or anything and when you're a man it's fine to say that you had a baby i guess okay it's, it's, all right back to you jason all right <laughs> i we've got a lot of them right now i mean that again just going back to the the idea that you were had mentioned previously about having a lot of people out there looking and a lot of people pre-qualified right now um the the environment as far as the loan programs that are available have sort of narrowed the the overall buying pool 
So I think a lot on paper, um, a lot of the buyers look very, very similar. A lot of people have good credit. A lot of people have that down payment ready and available. And I think that what makes this unique, and Chris had mentioned this, the, the, the buyers and sellers truly are what make up the, the market. Um, and we've got buyers now putting down, you know, 20% or more. And so when those values come in a little bit lower, they can put down a little bit more and structure the deal still where they're at 80% or less. And so really, um, we're seeing a lot of qualified buyers and just, we need a little bit more supply to, uh, to come into the market, which again, sort of talking with Chris, um, today and hearing some of the projects that are coming, it's, it's exciting, exciting. Cause there's a lot of opportunities and I can think of a handful of people that, that will fit nicely into this uh, into this supply that's going to be coming into the market. So it's exciting for those people. I'm excited for for the clients yeah. that we've been dealing with. Yeah, because there's been a lot of frustration, and we've we've heard similar to what Michelle talked about, where and you alluded to it as well as making offers and and shopping and not getting the house, and then dealing um, you know with going out and driving around and looking and then not getting that house. It it can be frustrating, and it can be. Uh, it can get people to the point where they don't want to look anymore. So, so having some other options come onto the table and people being excited about it, I think is going to be well received for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, the other thing that uh, I like about your guys's dig on selling these houses over here, there's a couple builders around the County that partner up with a lender and then do this crazy lender credit that I can only I mean, it just reeks of total fraud to me, but uh, <laughs> you, you chuckle. Um, I mean, I just, I know what goes into a loan and all that kind of thing. And I understand on the builder side, a desire to control the process and stuff a little bit, but um, some of those things drive me nuts. Um, and I've actually got to work on deals that are in the project that you guys do. And I, I love the opportunity to do that new business. And, you know, the, the one thing too, is that, uh, some people want just the new house. They don't want to have a house somebody else lived in before. They want to like, they want to have this thing that's for them, and it's like really deliberate and important to them that it's new. So I'm excited that um, new housing is like fresh inventory that's just going to serve other people's needs well. Um, I, I'd love to sell my house and buy another house that would better suit my new needs. However, I have zero confidence in selling my house and finding an appropriate replacement. So instead, what I'm going to do is not sell my house. And so uh, that's obviously a problem. There are some people that would love to buy my house, um, but I'm not going to sell my house and then get caught being a renter because there's nothing for me. So I want to see just all together more housing opportunities so that it becomes an environment in which people like me that can afford to, that want to, and have, you know, an ability to move up into a different house can, because I have no confidence in that. And that I'm not the only one. There's people like that all around these cities. Well, new product, I think new product really provides that opportunity because there's every family or or couple or person has a situation, a family's either growing or shrinking and and so having different product opportunities creates some velocity in the market without even any growth in the market. Just like you're saying, if there was a product out there, and I don't know what that would be for you, but if it was available, you may sell your home, which frees your home up for the person where that your current home yeah. fits their, what their needs. So, yeah, I think having the new product will give people some options that aren't there. And then 
regarding the you know comparison to to existing homes that's typically for a new home builder you're competing against other new home communities well currently we don't really have that competition on the new mm-hmm. home community at Sarah Meadows so our competition is the resales and many of those homes are 20 plus years old and in many cases they haven't been maintained and so that's people are c- coming to us and they're saying you know I've been looking for months and when I go out there, I, I, the dollar signs just keep adding up on what I'm going to have to do to bring this house current. Whereas if I buy here, it's done. I don't have to worry about it. So that's, I think that's probably one of the main reasons yeah. why we've had such success at Sarah Meadows. So. Such a great point. Um, do you have a, a website or contact information or something that you want to share today? Uh, our, our company website's richardsonproperties.com, and we have all of the new home communities that we represent on there and, and some of the higher-end homes. And, and um, so, yeah. That- I did want to tell you that when you came in, um, I Googled Richardson Property San Luis Obispo, and you came up first. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was very easy to find. Um, when you type up something like Central Coast Lending, sometimes you're not the first result that returns. So good job on having a, a better name, obviously, than we have. Oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, um, if you guys are interested in in getting a hold of Chris, go on over to richardsonproperties.com. It's spelled out the way you know how. And then uh, you'll see how to reach these guys and uh, figure out how they might be able to help you. Um I'm looking forward to figuring out how I can do more business with you. I don't know what the answer to that is yet, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll discuss. We'll have some conversations about. That. I'm sure we let's can play find a round of golf. <laughs> we should work it out over yeah, a round of that golf. Sounds that like sounds like good, an appropriate thing to do. I think that would be the proper proper thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and just so you know, um, as you're structuring like your charitable foursomes and stuff, I was a key ingredient to the team that won the Big Brothers and Big Sisters. We actually had low net and low gross, so. There you go. I have played with you before. I I know how <laughs> I know how you can hit that driver. So, um, and Jason, thank you for coming in today. Uh, I know it's ordinarily a day off for you, but appreciate it. Um, it's always fun. It's always your fun. your information is some that I can give out. If if you guys are interested in talking to Jason, um, he's loan officer at the company. Um, not not shy to say one of my favorites. Very thorough. Very caring. Very methodical very accountable um great guy uh you could you could reach him at the same number where you can get any of our loan officers which is 543 loan um we have a fun game when you call and and we say central coast lending says jason there jason van dyke or jason grody so you'll know that that's jason van dyke and i'm jason grody so give us a call this week 543 loan uh, or check us out on the web we're centralcoastlending.com thanks so much for being with us today thank you All right, Jason, thank you. All right, right, guys, we'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters.